0: Welcome to The Times.
2: To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk.
0: Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals.
1: Hello and welcome to The Game, the football podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and in the studio this week, I'm joined by the excellent Alison Rudd and the outstanding Clive Petty. And on the day that we said adieu to the two French people running for FIFA president, and that would be Jérôme Champagne and David Ginola, we have a much more talented and handsome French person with us. It's Julian Lawrence. Coming up, we'll be talking Arsenal Villa and the transfer window, but first to Stamford Bridge.
0: Navas in a good crossing position looking for Milner Courtois made a mess of it Aguero and City a level Courtois got caught in no man's land and it was Silva who redirected Aguero's shot
1: Alison it was first versus second and many times when things get overhyped like this because the stakes are so high, the match ends up being a little bit of a damp squib. Does this game fall into that category?
2: Yeah, I think probably it was essential that it, it was a little on the damp side because I think if, if Chelsea had and Mourinho had allowed themselves to get wrapped up in the hype, which for a minute I didn't think they would, but if they had, they would have probably lost it. And they, that was it was a game in which they required as much discipline as they could muster. You know, City had a full week to prepare for that. Chelsea had had a, a sapping semi-final in the Capital One Cup. They were depleted, and they needed to just simply produce, which is what which is what they do quite often through the season. Is they produce a moment of beauty at the Bridge and then they sort of sit on it but for them to have got wrapped up in in the hype and how many billions of people were tuning in and that it was a great advert for the premier league and a title decider if they had decided that they they were supposed to be playing their part in the theater they wouldn't have got the point which is all which is all that was required really
1: now i always kind of assumed that in the sort of English justice or English football justice moved very slowly. Witness you know, Terry Ferdinand, Lua, uh, Suarez, Evra. In this case, Diego Costa, I thought that you would get charged and you could appeal and in the meantime you could play and then you could get transferred to another club and they come back to you months later and tell you your appeal was uh, upheld or rejected or you would get more because it was considered a frivolous appeal. Why didn't this happen here? Is it really because we discovered all of a sudden something I didn't know and perhaps you didn't know that the League Cup has its own set of rules?
0: I'm not sure. Actually. I mean, I, I honestly don't know why it uh, got dealt with so quickly. But I'm actually glad it did.
1: Well, um, I appreciate that. Ollie Kay wrote, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong. And you also know the rules here, that because you're a qualified referee, that the appeal for the League Cup is is much faster. They they, they wrap it all up in 40, 48 hours. I'm assuming it's always been this way and nobody ever bothered to check because nobody ever cared about the League Cup. But I don't understand the logic where you commit a crime in the League Cup and there's a different set of rules so your appeal gets heard right, right away, but then you have to serve your suspension in the Premier League. I mean, I don't want to go all Mourinho on anybody, but <laughs> that seems to me kind of like grossly unfair, right? If you're going to have a ban
0: for the League Cup... In a second leg of a League Cup semi-final, I'm not quite sure where you get to serve your. Well, you just does that just drag on until? Obviously, that would be silly.
1: Although some countries do it that way, they keep the two well, things separate. I
0: but do, but I, I think in this case, it's probably
1: it was probably no, right, wasn't it? But I don't have a problem. What I'm saying is, I don't have a problem with him serving his ban in in the Premier League. I question why, had this stamp taken place in a Premier League game, there would have been a much longer appeals process. That's what's not. And, and he could have appealed it and played at mm-hmm. the weekend. That's what's not really clear to me. Julian, you're nodding. Does it I, you're I agree. Re- I,
3: it's one of those rules in English football that no one explains to you why it's that way or not the same way for everything in the league or in the League Cup or in the FA Cup. There's probably another one in the FA Cup where you have to wait two weeks before, before, uh, before being charged and, and then dealt with. It's a bit like the 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 Lombard case I think and the the loan to New York City and all of that. I think if someone was just explaining to you exactly what happened if if it was normal or not, if it was different or not, it would be so much better for everybody.
1: You have Jose Mourinho talking about not conspiracies but campaigns and stuff like that and and this kind of fuels it because. I'm not suggesting that Diego Costa figured, oh, look, you know, if I go and stomp on this sucker's head, that's okay, I'm not missing City, because I can just appeal it and I'll miss, you know, the game against some no marks later. But by the same token, you know, I'm pretty sure Mourinho didn't know that Costa couldn't appeal and or, or Costa's appeal would be heard straight away.
2: One reason why it might be better for the process to take longer is that you're not, anyone involved in assessing it is not affected by the fury of the moment, so a high profile game there's a lot of analysis post-match analysis and then it carries on in the papers and then rows erupt and it carries on and there is a mood of the nation which was that Diego Costa takes his aggression too far on what happened
1: Now Mourinho didn't feel like having his press conference the day before the game because he was very upset by it. We just had the Super Bowl, and, and this was a bit of a talking point because um, there's a guy named Marshawn Lynch who, in the NFL, you get fined to, if you don't speak to the media for, for a certain number of times and a certain number of occasions, and he showed up to speak to them, but all he repeated, I think 26 times 29. or 28, 29 times, sorry, Julian was counting, <laughs> uh, I'm only here because uh, I'll be, be, be fine. fines, yeah. yeah, I'm supposing Mourinho didn't show up because he thought that if he showed up he might answer some questions honestly and get himself into more trouble. You're nodding along Julio, that's... Yeah,
3: I think he would have got fined anyway. He would have got fined anyway. If he had been there he would have said something that would have put him to trouble and would have got fined for that. And he didn't show up which means that the club is going to get fined because he didn't show up. Uh so anyway I think it would it would it would have gone fine anyway. I was at the game and we were all waited for Mourinho and Steve Atkins the uh, head of media of communications at Chelsea just just went in and said no players no Mourinho today. And I have to say a lot of people were quite shocked that after a game like that Pellegrini came in, didn't stay long, didn't say much, but at least he came. And Mourinho just didn't bother, which I think was poor.
1: It's kind of, is, he, is, is, it poor is it is it poor from Mourinho? Is it is It's poor from Chelsea. I mean,
0: Mourinho can make his point, but surely the, the point is that Chelsea put somebody up. The fact that neither he, Steve Holland, or anybody else down the line, even, but is that Chelsea didn't put anybody up
1: to represent Chelsea? I think and Mourinho can say, "I'm not speaking," but here yeah, is could kind my of make number the two. Same point if you're disgusted, but I mean, you you could like send out like the like Kitman or something or or, or gary staker or, or or whatever to... steve, yeah. i think it was about the conspiracy where steve holland
0: gave a, a press conference quite recently where he was making the point about the protection for the likes of hazard so it's not like you send in your number two and it's just you're just there to smooth the waters and say nothing and just talk about the match or anything so they they, were, they are prepared to make a point even when mourinho is not there this just seemed to be chelsea complete you know making a point Mourinho led but they could have sent somebody in to just say something you know
3: we even said to Brian the guy who gives you your programme in the press box when you go in like come on Brian this, that's your time to shine let's go can say anything go on and even Brian didn't want to do it so yeah <laughs> told though
1: was obviously a good point for, for, for Chelsea and I, I want to kind of, he's been Mourinho gets criticized for, for parking the bus. I kind of felt in this game though, when you're effective, you looked at who was on the bench for, for Chelsea, and you had to be a real Chelsea nerd to know who some of those guys were. You look at no Cesc Fabregas, no Diego Costa. This bizarre situation with Shirley where he was in the squad, but then he wasn't on the bench. And then Mohamed salah who who wasn't there at all um because obviously shirla and salah are, are going and quadrado wasn't registered no circumstances do we give him a free pass for 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 raising the barricades right i, I
0: don't think it was sure. ever going. i don't think it was ever marina doesn't really do that in the kind of the big games anyways it was a bit like i mean this was a game they just didn't want to lose you know if it, it would have, never mind going actually going out to win it
3: you know what, i'm not so convinced about the parking of the bus theory again this time i thought the space they gave to Agro in the first half for example where he had those two chances the one-on-one with Zuma, with Zuma made a great tackle and then the shot that went a little wide after the the, the, the mistake by Terry if you park the bus there's not that, that much space you know, in that first half behind your two centre halves and in the second half the space that Azpilicueta had behind him that Jesus Navas consistently ran in with David Silva passing the ball or Agro passing the ball to him that was not pa- parking the bus is when your 10 players or 11 players play basically in, in your 20 yards in front of goals. I don't think Chelsea did that for the whole game.
2: If there isn't a single shot at goal after Chelsea's goal, if it's not parking the bus, then what, what on earth is it?
3: I, I, I think that offensively, I think Hazard was poor, I think Remy was poor, I think Willian spent probably more time defending than attacking. fair enough. But I think in that second half, the control was all City and they had the best chances and they were mostly putting the pressure on Chelsea and I, you know and I, I, I think it's not like Mourinho said to Hazard don't attack or Remy don't attack or Willian don't go forward I just think they, they couldn't I think City were, were, were very much superior in the second half and, uh, and that Chelsea were really struggling to get the ball out of their own half more than really having the you know the spirit and the tactics of like let's just not cross the halfway line
2: so bringing on Cahill that's not indicating you might want to go for a late winner, is it?
3: No, true. But then, uh, you know, an the 80th minute, one all at home. You're thinking, well, we've been really poor in the second half. We haven't created anything, not even a corner. No shot, no corners. Let's bring Cahill in midfield and just at least we can't win the game. Let's just not lose it. Because at that time, they, they look more like likely to lose it than to win it.
1: I, I saw one paper really, I think they used the headline, Courtois Clangor. On on Sunday and sort of uh, dumping it on Courtois, I thought that was a bit a bit harsh.
0: I think it's probably borne out of the fact that it's just unusual to see it's because so we've good. just spent yeah exactly. exactly spent the whole season lauding this guy that you know it was almost like my God he's human he missed the ball but that's. Kind of all he did, really. I mean, if, you, if there were still plenty of other chances to to kind of make up for that.
2: Yes, it, it looked poor because he looked like briefly out of control, or like he might have made the wrong decision. But I don't, I don't know what he should have done. I didn't. Yeah, I don't I don't know you. how he could have got it. Okay,
1: Thibaut, we, we still, we still love you. We think yeah, that you cool. and David de Gea and Hugo Lloris yes, are the three best goalkeepers in, in the Premier League along with Asmir Begovic, who I think is also very good and, and underrated. And then I'll probably start naming more and more. I like Ospina, too. But um, in the build-up to the City Equalizer, there was an incident where the ball went out of play. I have a feeling that had Mourinho spoken after the game, we might have heard about this. Now, I was in the stadium. I watched it in real time. It was very obvious to me that the ball had not gone out. But now I'm going to make a confession. When I watched it on TV, I saw that it was actually extremely, extremely close... Certainly less, but it seemed obvious to me that it was that it hadn't gone out. But whatever, enough time had passed, and Chelsea had got the ball back. That yeah, this is not yeah, a big deal, exactly. right? Yeah.
0: Didn't they? Did they not get the ball back even after the? There was an interjection in between after the throwing, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah.
2: so you know, Chelsea, right. Chelsea had the ball in space with time to, to, to not just clear, but to set up an attack.
1: Right, but the the erroneous the throwing decision.
2: did not lead to the goal.
1: All right, it's still kind of weird though when like you have one job you're standing right I don't want to go back picking on referees but you have one job you're standing right there you know looking at you qualified ref <laughs> no okay alright that's fine that's fine the, the, the broader implication for for City is we, we've been critical of the way they played and obviously Aguero not fully fit and Yaya and not being there and these are all mitigating factors but I wonder I mean Pellegrini's been there 18 months they have great players they have a great squad is he partly responsible here maybe for for not having a system of play that can at least generate chances and opportunities even when you know, you're know you not waiting for, for David Silva or, or Nasri who also wasn't there to create something.
3: I still don't understand the, those times where he played 4-4-2 with two up front even at home that cost him points You know, in the past, last season as well he got away with it, this season again.
1: Well they have four strikers so we'll probably see even more.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I think the one up front with Aguero and then I guess the 4-2-3-1 is probably better and I don't understand why he doesn't do that consistently and, and keeps changing and I think Bonnie signing is another sign that he's going to keep playing that four four two at some point otherwise you don't spend that much money on Bonnie to leave him on the bench and you don't leave Aguero on the bench either so in his mind he must think great, I can keep my four four two, yes! and put Bonnie and Aguero up front which again, I'm not sure is the, the right option and, and we're getting into um, five points I still think is, is okay for City to catch Chelsea but he's not allowed any mistakes anymore tactically as well. And and I think it'd be very interesting to see what he does when Bonnie comes back from the African Combination.
1: I wanna end on on this point. You said and I agree with you in five points, if you're City, it's not the end of the world. This is being presented as something uh, in some quarters as if, you know, well if City don't win this then, you know, the the title is Chelsea's. But five points, fifteen games to go, Chelsea in the Champions League and various cup competitions. This is doable, right, if you're City, Clive?
0: I mean, they've always come from behind on on the two occasions they've actually won the title. What was it? This point last time, eight points behind, was it? I mean, I don't think the title race is over. I don't think five points is insurmountable, but I still expect Chelsea to be on the top of that, top of the tree.
3: Thomas Brzezinski, making his way forward now for Arsenal. Santi Couture, shown inside by Hutton. He's got Bayerine coming forward in support. Oh, a brilliant finish from the youngster. What a way to score his first ever senior goal.
1: Moving on to Arsenal and Villa, the good news. Well, there is no good news if you're Villa. Um, <laughs> but I wanted, we, we talked about Arsenal last week. We will get into them. I wanted to start, though, with Villa. I liked Paul Lambert so much so that I started calling him Paul Lambert. What's wrong here? Uh, these players aren't that bad, Alison. Fagan even Delph is an international Christian Benteke, 20-goal scorer.
2: People we- keep saying the whole, you know, Villa, their squad's too good to to get into a real relegation battle. And it's an aberration that they're, they're now breaking records for how long it's been before they've scored a goal. I don't think the squad is that strong. If If I was a manager at any position in the Premier League, I wouldn't be looking jealously over at what Lambert's got at his disposal and thinking, I want I want one of those players. Andreas Viman. they started well. About 18 months ago, there was something going on there. But someone like Viman, who I think is a truly... Ele- the only thing he lacks is pace, probably. He's a truly elegant player. It's as though the flair players have had their ambition and confidence sucked out of them. And I feel as though, and I have no evidence for, th- for this at all, except from what I've seen, it's as though Lambert has said let's pare it all back, let's go back to basics, let's learn how to defend properly. And they've taken it too far to the point that they're nervous about showing individual ambition, flair, uh, whatever, and they're concentrating so hard on getting it right at the back. that, you, And you can concentrate too hard on anything, so it's not working at either end now. And you, I think you can impose your personality as a coach too far, so that... And, the players clearly haven't fallen out of favour with you know they they still like him there's still a lot of respect there but they're trying so hard to prove that they can work in his system I think they've, for, they've forgotten that they're a football team they like a character when I look at Villa now I can't tell what they are other than a team that's nervous
1: is, is it a question of of nerves rather than quality because I, I I think it goes Benteke. I, I don't know if he's still not fully recovered from, from his injury but he's obviously not the dominant force he was he was before it. I was watching um, Match of the Day 2 last night, and they show, they show those sort of montages that they like to show with, like, a bunch of people playing it sideways, and, like, yeah. look, nobody's taking a chance. Nobody's... And then they hit the ball long to, to Benteke, and they say it's a bad ball. And, yeah, it's a bad ball because he fails to control it. But, like, you know, the Benteke of two years ago probably would have held it down and then tried to turn the defender gotten fouled or, or done something useful anyway were they maybe counting a little too much on him
3: maybe I think I, I agree with Alison's damning explanation of the, what's, what's happening at Villa I think though that there must be something between Lambert and the players surely his message is not going through You know, they, I don't know what they work on every, every day of training through the whole week but surely there's something wrong or either what he says He's not registered by the players or maybe they're too nervous to, like you said, apply on the pitch or something, but there's surely something broken between him and his dressing room otherwise. You you know, you could, at least if you can't score, just don't concede. But, or at least don't concede five goals way Arsenal, the way they played yesterday, looked like a pre-season friendly where you're trying stuff. This is not, you know, it's, they're in a dangerous position.
1: So it wasn't a case of Arsenal being brilliant. Because I thought Arsenal looked pretty darn good.
0: They are, I mean, they're in a good moment as uh <laughs> like, to, like to call it but villa it wasn't hard was it, it they, i didn't get the impression that arson actually had to work that and there was an element of once it got to two um, it was just like well we've lost now that's it that's the end of that there wasn't a lot of professional pride and i think that's what kind of hurt lambert much I mean, you know okay it's difficult we, we might not lose but to lose going to lose by five just shows a complete lack of character really and I'm not quite sure how he does get that back. It, there does seem to be something lacking. I don't think... Perhaps they are waiting for someone to take charge in that team. And, and there's, no, there's no real focal point. And if, if it is Benteke, he can't do it on his own from up there. He's got, they've got to get the ball to him much better than they did yesterday.
3: If He could have been 10 nil easily. Or maybe not 10, 8 easily. And just... I wonder if Fabian Delph, after the game, mm. signed the dressing room or on the coach going back to Birmingham... Thing like, can I can I like rubber rubber out the signature <laughs> on the contract? Can I I come back?
0: What they told Fabian Delph uh, <laughs> when he, when he was there signing that contract because I don't know how much money they want him or whether they think okay. that there's a whole new ten set would new players
1: coming. A, I, I would assume there's probably some kind of release clause if sure. they go down. Oh, there must. be. Yeah. Um, speaking of Arsenal, and, and maybe Julian, you can enlighten us by the simple fact that um, you're the same nationality as the manager, German. <laughs> um, <laughs> Association. I look at this, and I you know, when Arsenal play well, they play really well. Statistically, they defend much better than people people who love to pick on or or suggest they do. But I'm always curious: what is his game plan? Like, what's he thinking? Because I look at this, and he has so many attacking midfielders, and they're all starting to come back from from injury. I mean, Welbeck's going to be back, Oxley Chamberlain at some point. Captain Jack uh, will be back as well. Um, Ozil's already back. You've got Kosorla. You've got Walcott. You've got that Alexis Sanchez guy who seems to do enough to a to mer- place on the side, generally. And that's without getting into the world of, of Gedeon, Zalalem's and Chuba, Akbom's and whatever. But does he have an idea of who his starters are? Who will always start in yeah, the yeah.
3: In, in front six? Koscielny. Oh, in the front six. I mean, yes. it's easy. It's probably easier to do the whole team. I think Koscielny from the back four. So neither of the goalkeepers, as we've no, seen. Neither of the left back. Well, Debussy, if he was fit, but he's not fit. And Matsaka, I think, with Gabriel arriving is... Can't be sure. In midfield, I think Kozola is 100% certain to start, whatever the position is. Right. And then I think Alexis Sanchez, obviously, and then probably Giroud, because I I really think that he likes Giroud. But that's four, four, basically. And I think the rest is up, like... Which is a good thing, I think. It's better to have the choice than not enough choice and not enough depth.
1: So, if I'm well back, I left Manchester United because I wasn't going to get playing time. And now, after a good, th- after a good start to the season, I basically have to be Giroud's substitute, and I'm not really going to get any much playing time on the wing either because I don't really like it because then they, they have Walcott and uh, all those other guys. I is, think that, if that, you,
3: is that kind of the message here? That's a bit of a message. I think if you were back, you thought, ah, Giroud is overrated, he's injured, he's going to come back in three months. The guy comes back in two months. And then Welbeck was thinking he never scores against big clubs. And suddenly Giroud starts scoring at Liverpool, against Manchester United, plays well against Manchester City. And then suddenly I think Welbeck thinks, right, maybe, maybe things are not going to go really, really well for me at Arsenal. And I think it would be right to think that because I can't see him getting in that team. But it's great to have, to have him on the bench.
1: Two notables who you did not mention as being assured a starting spot were Ms. Ozil and um, and Aaron Ramsey. That'd be kind of surprising when you come, you know, sort of a year ago. You've got the the, the, the team's record ever uh, signing and and Ramsey, who who you know could could do no wrong.
3: You think it's a problem? That it's, it's, yeah. Does. Well,
1: you have to go and handle the squad, right? Which basically means from now on, either you keep rotating all the time. Well, either a you keep making sure your players are injured, so that you don't have the problem. We're still pretty but, good at that. Yeah. But yeah, which Arsenal have, have done very well at that. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if somebody's going to have a conspiracy theory that like their physio go, goes out and hurts the players so that Arsenal doesn't, so that Wenger doesn't have to go and have uncomfortable conversations. But at some point, I, you do wonder: Are there too many guys? Because good players want to play, right?
3: True. I, I just, I just can't believe that too much talent is a problem in a football squad that's all I think that the more talent you have the better and I think he's got a lot of talent and then you know that's why he's paid so much as well to make the right choices and the, the right calls and all of that and some of them won't be happy to play I don't think Ozil is a 100% starter I think he will have to prove and and yesterday it was good, but against it was only Aston Villa. I think Ramsey is getting back maybe to his best form, which was not the that, case earlier in the season. Isn't
2: that the point? There are an awful lot of players. That, I mean, Gab's gone through the list who, who aren't at a hundred percent at the moment. Yeah, they're not. It's not as if they're all at peak, tip-top form and fighting for a place. There's up because of the injury problems they've had at the Emirates. there There's still more players than is normal in any big club squad who are, not, are, are still sort of grinding their way back to being considered perfect.
1: Well, I agree. And I just wonder, though, from a resource allocation perspective, which ultimately, bean counting is especially important in a club like Arsenal, whether, you know, at some point, you know, Silent Stands accountant's going to be like, well, hang on a minute, we're paying all these on a permanent, on-the-pitch basis, we're paying some of these guys absurd amounts of money and is there an issue with keeping people fit, but also is there an issue with you like your options, but surely, generally, there's a hierarchy. You know, most successful clubs have a defined 9 out of 11 who always start when fit. And, and at Arsenal, you're not in that situation right now. Not necessarily a, a horrible thing, but it can create, <laughs> create problems for you and, you know, you, you can pay a price for it.
2: I still, I still feel he's juggling his resources based on fitness
1: Sure, so he doesn't have to cross that bridge basically. No, not at the moment
2: But I do want to know what Julian thinks of Coquelin because most, oh, most Arsenal fans are like well, he's not that good but he seems to be crucial to the current renaissance
3: I think, I think he's really good I think he's disciplined I think he's everything <laughs> yeah. Why would I think, you do that, Clive? I think he would, be, he would do a great job, I suppose <laughs>
1: I uh, thought so you were saying
3: that to be sorry, critical no, to not him. not at all. No, saying, no, would you I'm take not, Coughlin over?
1: Would you, would, you, would you do a Coughlin-Stambouli swap, Clive? Blimey. Coughlin-Mason?
2: coughlin, no, coughlin could <laughs> mm.
1: It's too early for Coughlin, isn't it? I mean, he's played, He's
0: coming and he's done... It's two games. And, as you said, one was against Villa. I mean, there was, he didn't really have to right. break sweat in that one. So, let's... I think he deserves to be given his chance, because that's crying out for that in the Arsenal team, for goodness sake. So... But let's yeah, they give him a bit of a longer him, run him than, than saying he's the savior of the midfield for the time being.
2: They started playing him at, alongside someone else as though he was like a junior learning the job, and suddenly he's on his own doing that screening really? job on his own. <laughs> oh, it's incredible promotion.
1: I love how all of a sudden, like two games, this guy's Marcel Desailly mm. in his pomp. Like, I mean, I,
3: I think it's interesting. I think it's what they were missing in terms of discipline. Flamini thinks he's like Diego Maradona, and Arteta is like my dad's age. So I think they needed something like that. And then he might not be good enough for the big, big games I'm on he Saturday. 32. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Arteta plays like a... <laughs> right. My dad is 50-something. Mm-hmm. I think Arteta plays like a 50-something. And I think Cooklands was good at City. Let's see on Saturday. Let's see on Saturday. If, he's, if he does another good job, at Spurs, then let's take him more seriously than, than a lot of people seem to do but right now. Do
1: you right need to evaluate him against a good side?
3: Yeah, that's what I mean. Saturday. Oh, sorry. You see? Oh, man. Oh, oh I killed okay. him. <laughs> The transfer window
1: closes today. And um, so obviously we won't be telling you about stuff that hasn't happened yet because we haven't watched Sky Sports News yet to find out what's going to happen. But I want to go back to something. And I wrote about this uh, and this bizarre situation with all the transfer rules that are in place. And some of them seem misguided. There's a lot of focus on whether there should be a transfer window. Um, and we can debate that. But this business with playing for three clubs in a year, this just really, really got my go. And it's sort of a French-related issue because yeah. it happened with Hatem Ben-Arfa, who, of course, played for Newcastle's um, in, the, um, in the Professional Development League. Obviously played badly for Hull City, and then Newcastle didn't want him, and so they agreed to rip up his contract. And then this guy signs for Nice, and then he discovers that, oh, look, you can't actually play for Nice because FIFA considers the PDL to be an official game. Now, there's another interesting case, which is Nathaniel Chalaba who he played for Chelsea in the PDL game back in August. Then he moves to Burnley. Sean Dykes decides not to play him because he says, I want to reward the kids who were here last year, so then why the hell did you go and sign this guy? But anyway, that's a whole other issue. So they send him back to Chelsea, and Chelsea decide, ooh, let's send him abroad, let's send him to Bordeaux. Bordeaux actually announced that he's, well, Lee Samuel announces that that uh, that he's signed. And then FIFA says, hang on a minute. Again, this would be your third club in a year, which wouldn't be a problem if then he doesn't go and play and, and sign for Reading. So because the FA don't consider PDL to be a an official league, why can you not play for three teams in a year? They, well, why does this rule exist? This rule exists ostensibly to protect the integrity of competitions because as somebody at FIFA told me like, well, we don't want to have a situation where you play for a different game, uh, team every week. That would be absolutely ridiculous. It's, it would be ridiculous. But... All you need is the next rule is that the after right after the rule that says you can't play for three teams in a season. There's a rule that says you can't play for more than two teams in the same competition in a season, and that's a perfectly reasonable rule. Yeah. Seem to feel like I'm the only person interested in transfer <laughs> oh, regulations. No, I am because
3: ben Affa is a, is a good friend of mine. Yeah, and and I'm baffled by the fact that the English FA and the the the, the Premier League here saying like. You know, well, if he comes to back to England, he can play for anyone in the Premier yeah, League or we, the Championship.
1: Well, we, we should clarify, it's because he moved, so FIFA have jurisdiction for international transfers, yeah. so when he his registration goes from Newcastle to, to Nice, even though he rescinded his contract, it becomes a FIFA issue. Yeah. If he stayed in England, he could go play for whoever he wants.
3: Yeah, and I mean, in his, in his file, the, the file that him and his, and his lawyer and his people have taken to the, the French FA, they're saying like, there's a letter from the English FA and from the Premier League saying yeah. that game, you know, in a closely, you can't go up or down in, in, in the under-21 uh, PDL is is not official. You know, he can he can play. He could come back here and play. But still, despite that, FIFA and then the French authorities followed what FIFA said, which I think is is really really harsh on on Benafa and anyone else. They're taking that to more serious uh, tribunals and all of that, which I think that rule could soon disappear because it's a breach of. Liberty for people who just want to to, to work. a so restraint of trade. Isn't yes, it? definitely, and that's yeah. that's and the case they're putting forward. With the competition when he's going not. to a it's different, country. different yeah. Country. Yeah. Exactly. I, mean, so I agree with your thing about if it
0: was in the same competition. I mean, I don't quite understand why he shouldn't be allowed to sort of change clubs within England. That seems a bit dark. But if he's, you know, he's left, there's no threat to integrity.
1: He's now playing for Nice. Oh, no. I think the, it was in yeah. case
3: Nice played Newcastle in the Champions League final. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> now, but having so, having soon. The other issue here is I always wondered is like, why is the transfer window a month long? Long. Like, is there a reason why it can't be a week?
0: Uh, Well, well, I'll compromise and say it should be two weeks, one month. Considering you already have a summer transfer window, which is, well, whenever it's from the end of the season until the start of the next one. Having a a whole month in January just seems bizarre to me. It's not as if clubs aren't looking at possible transfers for the entire rest of the time. So just get it done.
1: You can, do all the you can do all the negotiations beforehand. Negotiations beforehand. Yeah, I mean, and just that,
0: you know, because it just gives the excuse for managers to start coming out and complaining about the unsettling of. I mean, I suppose you could say, Ings this weekend might have been an example. I mean, it was. It's convenient that as soon as he's linked with a possible move to Liverpool, you're not going. He has a stinker of a game for you know, and and everybody can look at that and say but he's obviously been unsettled by the you know all this transfer talk and all this sort of stuff if you just limited that to like you can only you've only got two weeks to get this done or one week well, to get
1: it done well, just even, do it even more yeah. so in the summer one and I appreciate it there's an issue of coordination but with all due respect to Switzerland and like our Scandinavian friends none of the major leagues actually start before August 1st. I know you guys do sometimes in France, right, Julian? Because no, you want to no, be you want to be a little different, right? <laughs> but 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 generally, right? Well, why not have it so that it shuts before at least X amount of big leagues, so that you don't have this? Because I always find the just transition period in August weird, you know, when when, when teams play, um, and then you've got you know like Schneiderlin, he's there, he's unsettled, or I mean, there's many examples, obviously. It should never end after the start of the season as well. I don't think right. Alright, so July 1st to July 31st, and then when do you want your week, Clive? Uh, um, When do you want your week-long January? We're fixing the transfer window right now.
3: Not too early. Not too
0: early, yeah, it can't be at the beginning of January. I think, when's the... um
3: just give you a bit of time for people to recover from their partying right. and their christmas yeah. and then because
0: there's always an admin thing as well isn't it but that's why that's why the transfer window never actually shuts at 11 o'clock but yes. there's always some deal done at half past 1 in the morning or something like that or some fax machine break right. he still uses a just fax a one random question we, we take a
2: step back why do we need a tra- transfer window in january at all and and as i don't think there should be one at all but i accept that there comes a point in a season where some clubs they they've had really bad luck with injuries or being bad managers or bad owners and they need to readdress it. But I, I, I find it completely unpalatable that mid-season a player from one Premier League club, for example, can shift to another. I don't. If you accept there has to be some movement to help some clubs in crisis, there should be some rule about you can only sign someone who's only played X number of minutes in the first team. For a team in the same league as yourself, otherwise you cannot. I think it's. I mean, it's interesting your angle on the Ings thing, Clive, no, because you, made it, sound, I'm just you made it sound. You made it sound as though it was it was it was beneficial to Sean Dyche to be able to use the transfer window as an excuse for a bad performance from one of his players and therefore the whole team. I think it's really unseemly for a Premier League club, Liverpool in this case, to start to start saying they really would like the, the, the star player from a team in trouble. That's just. It's vaguely immoral.
1: Because I was going to look at it from the player's perspective and and the fact that, you know, if you're a player and you're not getting a game because the manager doesn't like you or whatever, your career is short. I mean, should you have to just sit there the whole year and not play? But if you had that, you know, uh, a a limit of of minutes played, then perhaps that could work. I think there's probably a realpolitik answer, which is that it moves a lot of money it generates interest and for the bigger teams and increasingly football is about the bigger teams it's a chance to it
2: generates interest what do you mean generates interest it's been lousy it's been dull
1: okay well first of all the whole world isn't just this little island this little sceptered isle right secondly it's generated lots of interest. This Hummel, you, you type homos Manchester United if into it was a shirt thing.
2: interesting. Uh, why did you have to make up a transfer story before we came on air? I would just like to point that out to Because I was people simply listening. messing
1: with Clive.
2: <laughs> I think that's a Kerplunk.
1: But, uh. but I mean, there, <laughs> Sorry, there, there, is, there is, I mean, you don't need to go on social media. There. I mean, rightly or wrongly, we can criticize it if we want, but there's a tremendous amount of interest in it. So I think there's an economic imperative for it. And if you want to be really, really cynical, this is when the big wealthy clubs, who maybe have screwed up a little bit, gone a few sums wrong, this is when they can throw their money around and make it count. This way they can do it twice a year rather than once a year. So it's another way of favoring the wealthy. And and, you've been the
2: the 1%. Well, let's not then.
1: This is the world we live in. I hate to be completely cynical, but you might have noticed that not just in football, but in life, if you're very wealthy, you have privileges and advantages, right?
2: Yeah, we were giving them just those advantages in our new redefined summer transfer window. I just think the January one should be more about helping the clubs or players that are yeah, this, struggling.
3: The top ten in, the, in each league can't do any business and the second half of the <laughs> table teams are the only ones allowed to do a bit of business. I think that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: And then you're going to get complaints from the crappy teams who survive by selling players to the big teams. I don't think the transfer window will change massively, but I think there are some things to address. There's three teams in a season business, and I think the timing of it is something that would be beneficial to everybody, because, you know what, we can still talk transfers all year round, and we do, it we, do anyway. we don't need to wait <laughs> yeah. for the window to open. It's what we call quick hits. Radamel Falcao and Robin van Persie scores. Manchester United roll to victory over Leicester. Clive, are you now convinced everything is just fine in Louisland? Uh, no, not really. I mean, they. Beat Leicester at Old Trafford. You know,
0: th- th- that's what that's what's meant to happen. Um, Van Persie both scored. Van Persie both scored, but Rooney was on the pitch as well, right? But I didn't see much of it. I mean, that, that that's a good thing. But which formation were they playing again? Has he actually found the right one yet? Was four it three one, at the five. back, four one? Oh, that was also sp- Oh, great. When I still don't know what the philosophy is, and when they do something better than beat Leicester, which is what they should do, great.
1: Everton win at Crystal Palace, and it's their first victory since mid-December. But, Alison, having read your piece, I take it you weren't fully convinced by the Uh, men.
2: I'm feeling a bit guilty. It was a bit me, 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 that report, because it was a painful match to watch. I suppose if you've been bad at holding on to a lead and you've gone so long without a win, then maybe Everton can be forgiven for second minute, for goodness sake, and then they didn't really do much else. Palace were poor too. It was, it was it was it was it was the least enjoyable game of the season. But who knows? It might might spark something beautiful again from
1: Martinez. Daniel Sturridge is back, which means uh, Daniel Sturridge scores and Liverpool win. Because it's as easy as that. It's all about running in behind and movement. Uh, it's two two over West Ham. Julian, everything's all right now. But what's a realistic goal for Brendan Rodgers? Because you look at the table, and since he likes to get carried away a little bit. Maybe top three isn't so
3: insane. They're only five points behind United, four behind uh, fourth place. So I think top four is, what, fourth or third is definitely uh, possible. And it is it is a realistic goal, I think, with the squad he has. What's not fine is the goal celebration and the whole dancing thing. I thought Sturridge after so long out, would just get a normal goal celebration and not that ridiculous dancing bit. That's I thought it. it was kind of
1: cool, yeah. actually. Anybody who, way.
0: Anybody who doesn't do a knee slide, I mean, please that's my that's my thing for next season can we just think somebody think of something <laughs> different than a knee slide to okay, the corner no flag. knee
3: slide but no stupid dancing either
1: i do a knee slide after every podcast tottenham are three points away from third place hey look they're right up there too and uh they've lost just once in the premier league since december 3rd last year Clive, you're supposed to be our glass-half-empty Spurs fan here. Are you starting to believe just a little teeny-tiny bit? I'm
0: pretty sure you asked me this last
1: time I was on too. and I, it's remember all I ever ask you. Uh, yeah. You're always
0: negative. Uh, no, I'm not always <laughs> negative, because I'm pretty sure last time I said no, I'm going to be looking quite positively. I think the Pochettino effect is finally kicking in. We're going to you're Wembley. you definition
1: that you were going to qualify for the Europa League last
0: time. Actually, I still think we're going to qualify for the Europa League. I still see those horrible other people from North London finishing above us for whatever season it is again, and it will take one other... Well, yeah, two other teams probably fall out. We're doing okay. If we get the Champions League, hoorah!
1: John Carver gets his first win as Newcastle boss, but Alison, I want to talk about Ahmed El Mohammadi. He scores a goal with his hand. It's disallowed by the referee, correctly so. He knows he scored with his hands, very obvious, and yet he still goes off and he celebrates like an absolute fool and gets himself booked. Now, I know the referee was only uh, applying the rules in booking him, but shouldn't there be a provision whereby in these obvious situations uh, he can be sent off and then get retroactive punishment to ban him for an absolute month because this is really really bad
2: no not at all i think first of all we should say well done officials for spotting it you know you've got all to, well know, done, you've got to know you've got well to done, know you've got to know whose done. hand it is and we've well, seen does many it ma- examples doesn't
1: matter whose hand it is <laughs> if it's somebody's hand and it doesn't have a glove on it then the goal doesn't stand right
2: no but you need you need to know what you're doing you need, okay. to, be, you need right. to you need to you need to know what you're penalising where you're going with it and and the officials were pretty much perfect in that instance.
1: Southampton lose at home to Swansea. Julian, is this regression to the mean? Or, as Ronald Koeman suggested, a case of his team being really, 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 really unlucky?
3: I'm tired of him always finding excuses. It's never his fault, it's never his team's. it's the referee, it's the, the injuries, it's the uh, English Premier League where you play too many games, it's this, it's that. They lost They lost at home they, I don't think they were Very good on the day Yesterday Maybe Swansea Wrote their luck it was one Sean on Tiger One good. Fair enough It happens to everybody Just get on with it mate Ooh No luck yeah, yeah, The honeymoon is no, over honey With Big Ron I liked him And then I was not so sure Now I don't like him anymore oh,
1: There you go
2: Gab One for you um, <laughs> It wasn't just First versus second In the Premier League The Bundesliga Pitted Bayern And Wolfsburg Which For once I watched It was good actually But you tell us what happened
1: what happened is Walter wiped the floor with with Bayern, which was bizarre because you know this is after you had the uh, the the cuddly Thomas Muller coming out and saying, "Well, our toughest games are are when we have intra squad scrimmages down at the Zaberner Straße," and like, yeah, okay, that's funny. And then uh, uh, the point is, Bayern's the first league defeat of the season. I think what, what I'm fascinated now, if you're Pep Guardiola, is you look at this and you say, all right, was it poor execution in the, on the day? Or was it the other team playing better? Or is there something that I need to tweak in my system? And I think some of the system gets a little too fancy sometimes. And part of it is certain players who should be playing better, Muller, Lewandowski in particular, possibly Schweinsteiger too, were, were absolutely dreadful on the day. And also get Mario Götze on the pitch a little more often, get him sooner. Otherwise, he'll always be the great puffy hope.
0: Right, any other business? All, all is well with the world. Daniel Sturridge is doing a silly dance. To be not
1: we've all played football at some point, at some level, and some organised. when you scored as a kid, what was your preferred celebration?
0: Blimey, I was. I was. When I was a kid, we were still there, there, the handshake, run back, well done, lads, put on the back. There was a.
1: Uh, really, it was no, a handshake. We no,
0: were, obviously we didn't. We, we sort of punched the air and ran back. But I mean, th- there is that point now with goal celebrations. There's too much emphasis on them. I, you know, I watch my kids play on a Saturday morning now. And they are actually they got the point. They are practicing this, when they, in the hope that they manage to get to do it, you know. And they all watch FIFA 15. They actually say, "I'm going to do a uh, a, a sunset off that game." The goal celebration has become far more important. We will soon have a separate column for marks out of 10 for goal celebrations next to goal difference. You know, it's just—it's too important.
1: Right, that's all we've got time for this week. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes and Player FM for Android, please do so. Many, 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 many thanks to my guests today, Julian Lawrence, Clive Petty, and of course, Alison Rudd. And I think we all agree the show is much better when Rory's not here. Isn't that right, (laughs) Alison? Much better. Check out thetimes.co.uk on your digital device. Members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. If you're not a member yet, You can take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Times Sport online.
0: Your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away.
2: Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to
1: thetimes.co.uk.